Amen. Peace. We're going to talk a little bit about peace today as we think about Mary's story here in Luke chapter 1. You know, uh, as we think about this season, it always comes with gift giving. And I'm so thankful for uh, the news that Katie shared. Uh, and, and for some of us, uh, we begin to ask, okay, well, what good does it do to be able to provide some of those material needs for people in our community? And uh, to that, I would say, for some of us, I, I might say the same thing, but I know that our partners are so gospel-centered, so gospel-driven. Uh, those things are being uh, given, they are being used as the gospel is being shared with people, and I'm so grateful for those good gifts. You know, when we're giving gifts in life, I, I, I was kind of lamenting the other day because we were working on a family gift exchange, and everything is so sterile about gift giving in our family these days. I don't know if that's true for you, but it's like people tell you exactly what they want. It's like, I need a list. Okay, well, if I give you like four things, is that okay? Well, really, I just want to know the one thing that you want, and then I'll go to Amazon and I'll find that one thing and I'll like have it shipped to your house. I can even select this as a gift, right? Like there's just there's, there's this weird thing about gift giving. But it's, it's those moments when you get the right gift, and oftentimes the right gift isn't the one that's on their list, right? It's like when you can really find something that's just, it's them. There's this moment of joy and happiness and peace and knowing that you got the right gift. And when you get the wrong one, there's the opposite, right? There's a ton of anxiety. I'll never forget. It, it marks you once this happens. There was a Christmas that um, a specific toy was desired by one of my children. And in this story, they shall go unnamed. And <clears throat> they wanted this specific toy, and we couldn't find it. So we got something else, something else that we thought they would like. I almost used a pronoun that might give it away. And um, we come to Christmas morning. They get this toy. They go through all their toys and at the very end. The child says, where's my yellow submarine? We're like, oh my goodness. Crushed. Like, we are crushed. We had no, like, he was a prick. He, duh! Man, almost, almost made it. He was so appreciative of all these other gifts, but he really had his heart set on this yellow submarine. And, um... I mean, we're softies, so we had to find a way to get a yellow submarine there in the next couple of days. But uh, let me tell you, like, to this day, we are very cautious and careful about trying to get him the right gift because, man, peace, it, it turns into anxiety really quick when you feel like you've gotten the wrong gift. Uh, you know, peace is often choked out by comparison and the fear of rejection. Like, there's something about, like, I enjoy giving gifts, but there's something about getting him gifts now that brings up a little bit of anxiety because I have this fear that he's going to reject what we've gotten for him. Not because he's not grateful, but because he had his heart set on something. Verses 26 through 29, the first couple of verses in this passage, introduce us to the, to the context of this moment in Mary's life that we're reading about. She was from Nazareth, which is translated as she was a small town girl. Uh, she's a virgin, which indicates that she's lived a life of purity uh, we know that she's engaged to be married to Joseph. And, you know, I'm not sure that they had bridal shows and say yes to the dress back in that time. 
But I would, I would guess that there was a level of excitement amongst her friends and family for the upcoming marriage. There was going to be a celebration. They were looking forward to these things. And so this is the moment in her life, right? She's lived this life of purity. She's a small town girl who's got friends around her ready to celebrate this exciting time of life as she's getting ready to get married. And then Gabriel shows up. I mean, imagine what all was running through this teenage girl's mind when Gabriel shows up and makes this announcement. She's a teenager, so she's certainly thinking about what everyone else is going to think. What will my friends think? I've lived this life of integrity. Can you imagine? What's Joseph going to think now? And oh, by the way, she lives in a small town, so what's the town gossip going to think now? At the same time, while she's probably anxious about what everybody else is thinking, she's probably experiencing a sense of loss. You know, I I would guess that a lot of girls dream, I, I don't know, but I would guess that a lot of girls dream about one day being a mom. But for Mary, like she's not even married yet. She, she hasn't been able to experience some of these fun years of being a young married adult. And so uh, there's probably a, a sense of loss that she's not going to get to, to have that time. And conversely, she gets to be a mom. And that was likely a dream of her. So you see this range of emotions that might be happening in her. This, this inner turmoil that she felt is noted by the author when he says that she was deeply troubled. In other words, peaceful wasn't the emotion that she would have used to describe her day when Gabriel showed up. You know, as quiet as life may or may not have been for you over the last few days or weeks or months, I would hazard to guess that peaceful isn't the word you would use to describe life right now either, is it? Even though things are quieter, even though things are slower, peaceful just doesn't come to mind. Things are different. Peace is being choked out by a plethora of emotions, including the anxiety of comparison and the fear of rejection. Isolation in our lives is breeding these ideas in our hearts and our minds like crazy. I've shared conversations with people where the question comes up, will the people that I haven't talked to in months accept me when I see them again? You start to realize there's some people, even in our church family, that you haven't seen in months since the beginning of the pandemic. It's like, man, we, we, I've changed, they've changed, will I be accepted by them again? There's the anxiety that no matter how many times you face the situation, you just don't know where certain people stand on masks and the virus, and you greet each other and you're like, you're just not sure. And you say, well, Blake, I'm, I'm past that. I'm, I'm old enough. I don't compare myself to others anymore. I'm comfortable in my own skin. And yet... Many of us are justifying our choices about how we handle things right now by the choices we see others making. We're comparing ourselves to what others are doing. And if it's not you that you're worried about, it's your kid. Will my kid be able to recover from a season of NTI that, though helpful as it is, just isn't a substitute for in-person learning? Maybe you're one of those people that in this season... You can really, truly, and honestly look back and say, you know what, it's caused a lot of good and healthy change in my life. I have slowed down. I have been able to reflect. But you're wondering, right, will people still accept me with the changes that I've decided to make while I've had the time to reflect? I'm a different person. I may not be able to hang out with the same type of people. 
You see that same type of inner turmoil that Mary might have had when Gabriel showed up? I, I believe that for many of us, it's pretty easy to get to a point where we can say that inner turmoil has, has existed and lived in me. And that inner turmoil, as much as we don't want it to, often causes us to be afraid. You say, Blake, I'm not afraid. I'm brave. I don't, I'm not afraid. But our fear shows itself in different ways. And I want us to think about those for just a moment this morning. For some of us, it's control. Everything you can find a way to control, you do. People included. Your plan to get through all this is to control whatever you can. You control your schedule. You control who you're exposed to. You control your schooling options. You control your kids. In Jesus' name. For some, it's control. But for others, it's anger. Everything that's happened this year is clearly someone's fault. And at the first opportunity, you point the finger or you chastise someone else. And unfortunately, sometimes that person is our spouse or our child. Other times, it's the innocent bystander in the checkout line. Sometimes it's the faceless person on social media. But anger is how our fear is revealed. And if that anger is not being directed at someone else, it's bubbling just below the surface, eating you alive and consuming your thoughts. You want to be angry, but you know you're not supposed to, so it just takes you from the inside out. But still for some, and I confess this has been my tendency, their fear is expressed in withdrawal. You know what? The easiest thing to do right now is pack it in. Unplug, disengage from the world. I'll just do my own thing. Wake me up when this is over. When things get back to normal. That's my plan. How is fear being expressed and revealed in your life because of the inner turmoil, inner turmoil that many of us are facing? I see the, uh, this in us as a church right now, especially, I think, expressed in withdrawal. And I don't mean that by attendance. I understand the, the difficult decisions that lie there. There's just a general apathy towards most things. It's kind of a whatever attitude that needs to be addressed. And, and that starts with me. Somewhere deep, right, somewhere deep inside, we've bought the lie that these plans, the plans of I'll control things, the plans of I'll just be angry until something changes, the plans of I'll just withdraw until things get back to normal, these plans, if we work those plans, they will eventually lead to peace in our lives. Things will settle down. We've bought the lie that that's the way to peace. But I've got good news for you today. Peace is given by a person, not a plan. Peace is given by a person, not a plan. Mary had peace about the person, not the plan. And so can we. You see, after the angel explained the plan to Mary, Mary probably had all kinds of questions, wouldn't you? But we know of at least one really big one that Luke writes down for us in verse 34. Look back with it. Look back at it with me, if you would. It says, Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I've not had sexual relations with a man? I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> it's a really good question. But notice what isn't in Mary's response. There's not this moment where she looks back at Gabriel and says, You're crazy. There's not this moment where she says, You know what? 
thanks for, for the honoring statement, but no thanks on, you know, like the baby without. Yeah, nope, I'm out, I'm good. Not once does she say, I'm out. Mary just asked this how question. Why would Mary have asked how this was going to be? She must have had some reason to trust that what was being said had credibility. Why did this make sense to her that this could actually be a possibility? You see, what Gabriel said told her that this was the fulfillment of God's promise to her people. Look back at verse 32 through 34, 32 and 33. It says, uh, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. You see, when Gabriel said that, something was, was clicking in her mind. It would have reminded her of, of this covenant, this promise that she had heard. One of the great covenant promises that God had made to Israel that we read in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 11 through 16. In this chapter, uh, God is, is speaking to David. And he says this, The Lord declares to you, Rest with your fathers. I will raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will discipline him with a rod of men and blows from mortals, but my faithful love will never leave him as it did when I removed it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and kingdom will endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever. I want us to think about this for just a moment. In David's time, right, we didn't know who Jesus was. And so in this moment, God is speaking to David. And he said, I want to raise up a king that comes after you. I will be his father. He will be my son. And if you're David, you're like, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> but he faithfully declares this promise. And so surely Mary had heard of this promise that had been made to David about this coming king. And so when the angel Gabriel says to her these things, he describes this baby that's going to be in him, the, the son of the Most High, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. She had peace about the person that was going to be inside of her stomach, not the plan, because she recognized that this baby was the promised Savior. You see, Mary had peace about this crazy situation because of the person, not the plan. My wife, Caitlin, has um, often told stories of what she and her cousin Christopher used to do at family holidays and the likes. Uh, Caitlin, if you know her, is a somewhat anxious person. She's kind of quiet, so you may not know that, but she's a, a little averse to change. She just likes things to be the same, and that's not bad. That's just who she is. Um, but if I were to throw out some crazy plan today, like, I don't know, like, let's go do something fun and crazy, she'd be like, why? I can just go home and chill. I'm like, okay, we'll do that then. But she used to always tell me, she's like, listen, I don't know what it was, but whenever I was with Christopher, it didn't matter what we were doing, I felt safe. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Tell me an example. So one of the first Christmases that we spent, we went to their families in Somerset. And their neighborhood is like, it's not a mountain, because you know, it's, but it's, it's, it's elevated. And there's some really large hills. And so we're going there one Christmas, and I'm driving up this hill. And she's like, you know what we did one time? And I was like, what? And she's like, 
me and Christopher got in a golf cart and we put it in neutral and we rode all the way down this hill. And I'm like, who are you? Like, that is completely unsafe. She's like, I know, but we were with Christopher. It didn't matter. I was like, I, I don't even understand that. Like I, like, I just trust what I know. And what I know is that that's not safe. She's like, I was with Christopher. We were good. I was like, did Christopher ever wreck doing that? She's like, oh yeah, all the time. I was like, what? This makes no sense. But Caitlin had peace about being with Christopher, not the plan that Christopher was laying out there. I'll never understand that, but I do understand that that experience that she had with him is similar to the one that we can have with Jesus. Because you see, whenever you're with Jesus, truly with him, walking with him daily in his word, it doesn't matter what the plan is anymore. You're at peace because of the person of Jesus Christ, not because of the plan that's laid before you. There's this overwhelming sense that whatever happens, he's got this, that things are going to be okay. Like, Blake, what are you, are you saying? Are you saying that if I love Jesus more, if I love Jesus enough, that I wouldn't be worried about plans? I wouldn't be worried about the plans for rolling out a vaccine, or I wouldn't be worried about like, whether or not I was going to be able to pay all the bills at Christmas, or, or I wouldn't be worried about the economy. Are you saying that I might be more willing to take a risk if I walked closer with Jesus? What are you saying? What I'm saying is that peace is given by a person, not a plan. And when you know and love Jesus, he gives you that peace. And when he gives you that peace, you're ready to walk by faith because all of a sudden you're not placing your hope for peace in the plans of life. You're placing it in a promised Savior. Man, that sounds really good. But how do I have that type of relationship with Jesus? Maybe there's something special about Mary Blake, like an angel came to see her. Well, maybe you're right. I mean, it says in verse 28, the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And you're like, that's it. She was favored. We can, like, I can go back to worrying, Blake. I'm not Mary. But there's something really neat about this word favored in verse 28. You see, this word favored is only used in, in the original language one other time in Scripture. It's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. I want to read, start back at verse 5 and read this. It says, He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the Beloved One. You see that phrase that he lavished on us? It's the same word as favored. And so the whole idea of Ephesians 1, 5, and 6 is that, man, this same grace that, that Mary was favored with to be chosen to be the mother of, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, man, it's the same grace that is lavished on us in our salvation through Jesus Christ. It's incredible. It's incredible to think that the same grace and peace that Mary experienced in this moment where she learned that she would be receiving Jesus in her belly is the same grace and peace that you and I can experience when we receive Jesus in our hearts. That's amazing. So that good news, that peace is found in a person, not a plan. I just asked today, do you need it? Do you need that grace? that grace of one who is favored by God? Do you know someone who needs it? Whose life is completely wrecked by the inner turmoil that they're having to go through? 
that doesn't know the peace that comes in just having that, that time with the Lord. Maybe today you're sitting there at peace and you have it and you can thank God for it. But back to Mary's question. How? How is this Jesus coming through her going to work in her life? And how do we experience the peace that comes through our salvation? You know, working your own plan, it leaves you in some scary places. It leaves you wondering if God is with you or not. It leaves you concerned that things might not work out. It leaves you looking around, comparing yourself to others to see if you're doing it right. It leaves you wondering if people will accept what you're doing. And I want to encourage you today to trade that in. Trade that in for the peace that is experienced when you serve God's plan instead of ours. You see, peace is experienced when you serve God's plan instead of yours. So what can you do this week to do that? To serve God's plan instead of yours? I think this text shows us two really simple things that we can do. The first is this. Remember ways the Lord has been faithful. Remember ways the Lord has been faithful. In verse 36 and 37, uh, the angel tells Elizabeth, or tells Mary, and consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month, sixth, I can't say that, that's twice now. The sixth month for her who is called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. I love that the angel calls Mary to remember, like points out a way that God has already been faithful in her life. And so I ask you, how has the Lord been faithful? Was there a time in your life that, he took a risk and he, he met you there. Was there a moment that he answered a prayer and, and really showed himself to you? Is there a moment where you can look back and say, that day my life changed because of something that the Lord did? This week we were uh, getting ready for Christmas and decorating and um, I've never been good about putting up lights outside and Caitlin has always wanted lights to be put up outside. So this year, no more excuses, right? time to get the lights up. So I go, I put them up, and I don't do it correctly. It's okay. That just happens. And so Caitlin is out there uh, fixing these net lightings over the bush, and Preston is out there helping her, and she gets them all the way that she thinks she wants them. And then the first strand of lights in the string of lights goes out. And you know what that means, right? All the lights go out. So she's fiddling with them and she's frustrated and she's trying all the tricks and all the things and plugging different things in and trying different plugs and you know, all the things. And finally, she kind of nonchalantly looks over and says, Preston, I think the only option we got left is to pray these things come on. So Preston prays. He says, Jesus, please just let these lights come on. And they try them one more time and the lights come on. Innocent, maybe. The Lord is faithful, absolutely. But the real moment for me was that night tucking him into bed. And we're just kind of decompressing, talking through the day. And he looks up at me and he says, Dad, today was one of those special days. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, Jesus did something really cool. Like, he answered my prayer. Like, that was like a moment for me. Like, I know he's real. I thought, man. The childlike faith to just put a marker in the ground and say, man, here's a way that the Lord has been faithful in my life, even if it's just lights coming on. When was the last time that you just stopped and remembered the ways that the Lord has been faithful? I want to encourage you today, this week, to write down at least one. 
and maybe it becomes a practice, I don't know, but just at least one, write it down, share it with someone else, a way that the Lord has been faithful, a way that the Lord showed up, and you just, you just knew that he was there with you in that moment, that you experienced the peace of Christ. The other cool thing about doing this is when we remember ways that the Lord has been faithful, it almost always pushes us to action. If you jump right down to verse 39, right after our account, Mary, Mary's remembering what uh, happened to Elizabeth, pushes her to action. She goes and she sees her. She leaves everything that's comfortable and she travels to spend time with Elizabeth. I love that. So remember ways the Lord's been faithful, number one. Number two, respond to the opportunities right in front of you. I was so encouraged uh, this week. We spent time on Zoom with our community group leaders and to hear all the ways that uh, people in our groups and the leaders of our groups were loving on and serving people in our community was really, really encouraging. Uh, there was one group that is trying to figure out how to bless the same apartment in an apartment complex for the next several months. Like, we're just going to keep showing up at the same place, figuring out a way to bless them for the next several months. I'm like, that's awesome. That's a way to share the love of Christ. There was a, a, another group that was taking time to canvas a neighborhood and just pray with people that wanted to be prayed with and invite people to come to church. Uh, I, was, I was reminded of this idea of responding to the opportunities right in front of you. I was meeting with uh, an individual that is feeling called to plant a church, and we were sitting together there at the table in the front, and uh, an individual came to the door and was needing help with uh, some gas money. And before I could even say anything, uh, this guy jumped up, uh, went with him, helped him get some gas. And it was just inspiring to, to see someone responding immediately to the opportunities right in front of them. Uh, another one, uh, within minutes of texting out this week to the Christmas kids, uh, that we had two families available, and those are kind of rolling in slowly because kids aren't in school, so we don't have that big hit. Uh, but within minutes of putting those first two families out, they were gone. They were taken. And I love that spirit of just doing what's right in front of us. But as we think about that and we think about Mary's story, I want us to think about a reality to responding to the opportunities right in front of you because so many times we miss them. Why is it that we miss them? Mary says in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Mary makes that commitment right then, right there, in the presence of the angel Gabriel. But do you think she had any idea what she was saying yes to when she said, I'll serve? Do you think she knew that she would have to ride a donkey while nine months pregnant? Like, show me that lady that said, if I have to ride a donkey while I'm nine months pregnant, then I'll do that. That sounds like a great idea. Do you think that she knew that she would have to watch her son be brutally beaten in the street? And if she did, do you think she'd say, yeah, I'll sign up for that. That sounds like fun. Do you think she knew that she would look up and hear her son in agony cry out, it is finished? The phrase that we so often use in America is, man, a parent should never have to watch a child die. She had to watch him die like that. But she made a commitment on that day, in that moment, with the angel Gabriel to be the Lord's servant, to do what was according to God's word. And as I think about that, I'm drawn back to Hebrews 13, our passage, right? Let us then go to him outside the camp. Hoorah, we say, we cheer. Yes, bearing his disgrace. Bearing his disgrace. So as I ask you, 
to make the commitment to respond to the opportunities right in front of you this week. I fully expect the Lord to give us opportunities that are far beyond what we signed up for. That are going to cause us to be, be in pain. I fully expect the Lord to give us opportunities that are going to be harder than what we signed up for, that, that are going to cost us more, that are going to take more effort, more time than what we'd hoped. But the opportunities are going to be there. And I fully expect us to say yes, knowing that peace is given by a person, not a plan. And we experience that peace by serving his plan, not ours. So in this moment, the commitment that I'm asking of myself and of you is to, to say to the Lord, Lord, I am your servant. One last caution and one last story. We won't find peace in the person of God if we're always working on the plans of man. We won't find peace in the person of God if we're always working on the plans of man. When I was about third or fourth grade, uh, I would come home from school and I was at home by myself for a little while. And um, around that time, somewhere, I don't remember exactly how it was, but it was about that age, um, my mom had gotten me a, a kite, like one of those cheap dollar store kites, right? And <clears throat> I had come home from school, and I had gotten this kite out, and I would wanted to fly the kite. And not really knowing what I was doing, the string to the kite ended up really tangled up. And so I'm feverishly trying to untangle the kite, doing what you're not supposed to do, right? Which is like actually making the knot worse. And so I work on this for like, because I don't want mom to know that I've messed up this brand new gift that she's just gotten for me. And so I'm working on it, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. I hear the door and I automatically shove this thing into my top dresser drawer and life goes on. But in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, after school tomorrow, I've got a couple hours to come home and get that kite fixed. And so the next day, the same thing happens. I get home, I go straight to the drawer, I pull it out. I'm trying to undo the knot. I'm trying, I'm unsuccessful. I put it back in the top drawer. This goes on for about a week. And then finally, my mom says, Blake, today's a great day to go fly that kite I got you. Why don't you go get it? <laughs> like, I mean, it just all comes out that moment, right? Like all the pain, all the regret, because I'd messed up this brand new kite. Everything was wrong. And, and, and I said, Mom, I've been trying to get it out because I, was, I didn't want to let you know that I've messed up what you'd gotten me. And I just, I, I'm sorry. And mom looked at me and she said, you know, Blake, I don't want you to ever be afraid to come to me. Afraid to come to me. And I've told that story many times over the years because it's such a poignant reminder to me of our relationship with the Lord. But God says, man, I don't want you to be afraid to come to me with your mistakes in the moment you feel stuck, be not afraid. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in me. See, so often, we're trying to work out the plan. We're so focused on how we're going to undo the things that we've done. We're so focused on trying to figure out the plan for how we're going to make it through this. That In those moments, as we're working on the plans, we don't find peace in the person of God. 
So as we respond to the gospel today, I just want to encourage you. Be not afraid. Be not afraid to come to the Father and to find peace in Him. He promises it to us. He gives it to us freely. And when we find peace in the person of God, man, everything else changes. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming as a little baby, the promised Savior, the promised King. And as you came, Jesus, you made a way for us to have your grace lavished on us, bestowed on us, so that we might experience the same peace. Jesus, I just pray that today, if there is any who is listening that doesn't know you or your peace, that you would give them the courage to come to you and to find rest, to find peace. And out of that peace, the ability to serve your plan, whatever it is. Call to, moment, call to mind moments in life where you've been faithful to us, Lord. Help us to be reminded of how much you love us and the peace that you provide. Jesus, I'm just so grateful that we could gather together to worship. And we ask and pray that as we go outside to be the church, that we would say yes to the opportunities that you give us to be your hands and feet. Not just to meet material needs, not just to help somebody out, but to offer to them the same grace that you've given to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.